Welcome to CyberSpark, a podcast by Exclusive Networks. Episode one of three is going to focus on the alliance between Palo Alto Networks and Rubric. And we're lucky to be joined here today by Chris Beckett and Richard Folks. Um, Chris, do you want to give a quick introduction to yourself? Yeah, thanks, Laura. I'm Chris Beckett. I'm a sales engineer in the Rubric X team. Um, what we do is basically take the new uh, emerging tech that we have at Rubric, uh, we incubate that and mature it, and then uh, obviously we, we make that kind of mainstream to the market. Fantastic. And Richard? Hi everyone, so I'm Richard Vaux. I've been exclusive networks for 13 plus years. My job is, well, Chief Solution Consultant, so it's looking at the new, the existing and the old technologies and what's happening in the market space, whether it is new trends, whether it's looking at integrations or it's looking at challenges that vendors may face. And alongside Palo Alto, also looking at the market space at Palo Alto are creating and their technical alliances and how we as exclusive can help influence and support the channel and the market space with that technology. Brilliant. Thanks guys. So, um, Moving on to the first question, Rich, you talked there about um, the biggest challenges that people are facing. What do you think those are at the moment um, for security teams within the end users? So it's never going to stop. Um, I guess probably the first challenge is it. you have to be successful all the time as a security team. You can't, as soon as you're unlucky, they've gotten in. Um, the bad guys don't have to get lucky once. You have to be lucky all the time, which is an impossible challenge. Which also means that you've got a never-ending range of attacks, whether it's software you use as a company. So um, the Log4j one at the moment, which people are talking about, which was talked about 9th of December, I think it came out. Um, it's just a flaw with a bit of software that everyone uses within Java. And it means that people are open to this attack. As a security team, you are constantly going to have these challenges where new software is going to have new challenges, new weaknesses which people are going to exploit so it's resources it's time and it's always been under attack i would say by the three biggest areas but that includes things like ransomware or whether that includes malicious insiders it's just never ending it's so many which is quite scary when you think about it uh, whether you are a hospital or whether you're a one-man band everyone's eligible for being attacked and it's how do you survive it how do you maintain and grow it how do you make sure that you are going to be able to deal with the attack, proactively understand what the attack is, and then actually minimise the damage. Which is part of the reason why we look outside of just security solutions to look at how do we minimise the damage that attackers can cause. Because at the end of the day, nothing's going to be 100%. Eventually, attackers will get in, um, which is a very negative thing to say from a security perspective. But it's true. Eventually, attackers will get in. So it's then how do you deal with it when that happens? Yeah, for sure. Um, Anything from you, Chris? Yeah, I, I think to to some degree, um, there's always an element of of, uh, uh, of being reactive about these sorts of things, and um, you know, it, once it's actually happened, kind of how can you recover from that? And you know, I mean, I, I, um, I you know, I've been in this business a long time, twenty odd years, and um, I, I've been on kind of both sides of the fence of, of being like a, a consumer and end user, and but also working in the channel as well. And I, I think. Part of the uh, part of the problem is really, you know, there's there's not enough kind of planning and thought go into this this kind of situation, and 
there's always this assumption that you know it'll never happen to us you know actually until it does and I mean I'm, I sound like a stuck record at the moment or, or whatever the modern equivalent is you know Spotify crashing or whatever um, but I, I kind of have a have a big thrust on you know you need to have a ransomware recovery plan you need to have a disaster recovery plan planning is everything you know it's it's all right having the tools and um, you know having all these great features and you know, we, we do a lot of great things. Palo do a lot of great things, but it has to make sense in the context of what you do as an organization. And um, it, the, the first part is obviously having a plan of how you're going to recover, you know, who's responsible for what, which steps are you going to take in which order. But then, you know, how does the tooling that you have then wrap around that? But also not, not to be caught by um, analysis paralysis. You know, I, I've kind of worked in a lot of different um, environments and Kind of the bigger the organization, the more it's kind of designed by committee and people want this this kind of perfect plan straight out of the gate. And, and we're never going to live in that world because, like you said, we're always kind of reacting, responding, um, changing the way we do things, changing the way we think about things. Um, and so you, you kind of have to realize that any plan you drop today in a month's time needs looking at again. And it's never going to be perfect. And I think once you accept that, you, you, you're kind of part of the way there. And um, that, that to me is, I, I, I call it step zero, task zero. It's, it's the first thing you need to do to get your kind of ducks in a row. Think about how you're going to be able to recover from these attacks as and when they happen. Um, you know, what steps to take, what order, who's responsible for what. Make it a well-communicated plan. Um, it's all very well kind of doing it as a box ticking exercise and sticking it in, you know, printing it out and sticking it in your top drawer, but that's useless. Um, also, you know, don't like save it to a wiki page on an internal server that then gets, gets ransomed because then, you know, it's, it's chicken and egg, isn't it? So make sure it's well communicated, make sure everyone's happy with it. Be aware that it's an organic thing that it's, it's constantly changing um, and store it somewhere kind of logically gapped away from your, from your environment, I guess. Yeah, brilliant. It's really hard, isn't it, to be um, proactive as opposed to reactive when the threats are changing constantly. Um, so what is it that Palo Alto Networks and Rubrik have done to kind of help um, businesses and SecOps teams take those first steps in preventing attacks? So um, I'll start with the Palo side of it. So Palo Alto um, traditionally was seen as a next generation firewall vendor, but over the years they've evolved and changed. And part of that evolution is this platform called Excel, which is the concept of why have 27 different scenarios, 27 different things all managing themselves, all in silos, try and bring things together and try and deal with that challenge of resources. So within Excel, there are um, plugins with regards to different solutions, which may not necessarily traditionally security products. Um, because as Chris was saying earlier, with regards to things like ransomware, you need a plan to recover. You need a plan to understand, yes, we've been hit. Yes, easy effects. And this is what our disaster recovery plan, this is what our, how we get started again looks like. And that's where solutions like Rubrik work well with Palo Alto, is it's a direct link to both sides of it. So you get instant visibility and you have the ability from how I've understood it to recover in real time. And I think from a rubric perspective as well is is uh, we, the, the tooling that we give you to help identify anomalies. So we, we've got the radar tool, which basically um, looks at your backups and says, right, okay, you know, is there a high rate of change from, from the last time we backed up? If there is, 
do we see a high rate of encryption? Uh, if we do, you know, then we can identify that as, as a potential ransomware attack. Um, we've got the sonar capability, which does data classification. So if we make the assumption that at least some of the data has been exfiltrated from the environment, then we know what's in that. So we know kind of from an ICO perspective, which is key, do we need to uh, make any official notification? Do we need to do a report? We, there's obviously a 72-hour deadline to, to report on that. So knowing the volume of the data, knowing the sensitivity of the data is absolutely critical. Um, but then we're also moving into newer areas of being able to look for the actual malware dropper within the backup set. So we're not, we're not kind of in line with the data. What we're doing is a lot of analysis on the, the data and the intelligence we hold on, on the rubric cluster. So we're not kind of putting this additional load on the production environment, um, not asking you to deploy agents or surrounding infrastructure and things like that. So we're giving you a lot of capabilities to, you know, drill into the data that you have and be a lot more forensic about, you know, what you recover, what what has been encrypted, maybe what's not been encrypted. Um, sometimes on VMs, for example, um, ransomware won't encrypt things like C windows or C program files because they're just commodity files. There's no ransom value in, in kind of locking those up. So what they'll do is go looking for SIF shares, etc., uh, NFS mount points, and then they'll encrypt those files. So if we can forensically, forensically say that these files in this particular backup, um, only these have changed, then you know why, why go to all the time and, and expense of recovering a whole VM when you don't necessarily have to? But then I think the next part from that and, and the kind of the, the logical bleed from that is that, you know, we as as a kind of data protection company, we, we know what we're good at and, and, and we kind of stick into what we're good at. We, we're not trying to be all things to all people. And I think if you're a, if you're an organization already with a heavy investment in Palo Alto, uh, you know, you're taking a lot of best of breed security technologies. We're not asking security teams to come over to the data protection side, the rubric side, if you will. Um, and asking them to learn, you know, new skills, uh, use a new UI, maybe have maintain another set of credentials. Um, what we're actually doing is saying, okay, we, we'll take the view that we have, we, we'll take this this event that we found, um, we'll wrap that into an alert payload, and we'll pass that over to to EXO because that's what the SOC team uses. That's kind of their natural habitat, if you like. So it's I think it's important that when we kind of provide this extra value that that we're not kind of um, keeping it to ourselves or being territorial about it or being proprietary whatever it's you know let's let's use the the best tool for the job and the best tool for the job in this case is obviously cortex and um you know we can raise alerts on that side of the fence and use all of the kind of automation and the run books and all the intelligence that that platform provides yeah, it's important point that Chris is talking about is there are obviously separate teams within an end user. You're going to have the data team, you're going to have the data management team, you're going to have the security team. And we know there is challenges with those guys talking. So giving them a simple way to talk and communicate to each other, which is a single route, single solutions, it makes life a lot easier. So when Palo Alto and Rubik work well together, it makes that communication a lot easier. It talks to the security team understand that language, the data management team understand again, back to them what their language is. It's, it's French speaking to Germans. It, it makes sure that communication is simple and they both understand what they're saying. That's fantastic, guys. Thanks so much. I think we've really hit the nail on the head there with regards to silo teams and how this solution will not only improve security, but the way teams interact with each other to avoid those silos. Unfortunately for you listening, we're going to have to stop the chat there for now. But please join us on our next exclusive network, CyberSpark Podcast, 
to find out how alliances are constantly evolving and changing, as they should be, and how this alliance can fit into your customers' existing plans for data system management, APIs and XDR, developing to an off-the-shelf model we know that enterprise deployments are looking for.